We're going to read the same passage that we did last week, and we're going to read verses 7 down through verse 11. And as we talk about this patience, James mentions that again and again in this passage, and uh, this morning's message, an example of patience. By the way, does anybody need an outline before we get too much further? Okay, uh, you'll want some of the Scripture verses there uh, for reference. James chapter 5, would you stand with me for the reading of the Word of God? If you're able, would you stand? And I'll read verses 7 through 9. Let's read verses 10 and 11 together when we get there. Verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Correct not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Let's pray together. Father, as we come now to the preaching of the Word of God, Father, I pray that you would help us in these next few moments to hear what the Spirit has to say. Father, we have... Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we mentioned last week, if we're going to be obedient to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we must have patience. James chapter 5, as James speaks about how people will sin against you and how those who have the... Uh, the power to those who are in specific context, those who are rich and, and, uh, and seemingly above the law, as they take advantage of you, you must persevere. You must press on with patience. And, and, uh, and, and so how long? How long should we endure? Well, until the coming of the Lord. You know, that is set before us as our goal. Until we see His face, we must continue to run our he uses the illustration of the farmer to that end. The farmer plants the seed and then he waits. He waits for the rain to come and then the rain comes. The early rain comes and then he has to wait some more and, and, uh, and wait. And, and, and more rain comes. The latter rain comes. And, and, uh, and, and he, he, as, he, as he waits, yes, he's getting closer to harvest. Yes, soon the precious fruit of the earth will, will be his. But how long must he wait? He must wait until the harvest is ready. Until the, the, the fruit is ripe. And, and so while we are enduring, we, we, we must be patient. And James also says in verse 9, he says, Grudge not one against another. As we wait, let, it's, it's not time for Christians to be fighting with each other, to be bickering with each other, to be, you know, the Lord's return is imminent. And uh, he, he is the judge. And you know, the, the, he says here, the judge standeth before the door. It's not time to be unforgiving. It's not time to hold on to petty grudges. And, and so he, he reminds us as children of God, we must be patient. Then in verses 10 and 11, the verses we're going to look at for uh, the message this morning, he gives some examples for us to draw strength from. I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy learning 
from the example of others. I, I, I enjoy learning, watching other people do it, or, or maybe as they share their experiences and uh, what to do, or, or, or maybe a negative example, what not to do. And, and James is reminding us that as we run our race, as we, as we must have patience, the Word of God has given us a host of examples. Those who have spoken in the name of the Lord, those who have suffered, those who have endured and they have done so with patience. Those are our examples. That's why the Spirit of God recorded their story for us in Scripture and, and we're to learn from their example. We are to follow their example. The Word of God is replete with examples of patience. And we'll get to look at a few in the message this morning. But you see, not, not only just saints that are, whose stories have been recorded for us in the Word of God, but, but even church history is filled with examples of patience. You know, that there was a day when Christians would read the Fox's Book of Martyrs and those that endured, those that were faithful, those that gave their life and shed their blood for the, for the cause of Christ were, were, were the, the examples. They were the church's heroes. And I think now it's uh, those listed on the programming directory for TBN. Uh, but but uh, they, those that pressed on, those that persevered, and uh, and uh, God wants us to draw encouragement from faithful men and women of God. And and uh, this morning, as we study this passage, we're going to learn some principles and 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 see some examples. And uh, so we'll jump into the message. Number one, first principle I want us to see is that suffering comes because of your relationship with the Word of God. Suffering comes because of your relationship with the Word of God. Now, yes, there is a certain level of suffering that we all must experience because we live in a sin-cursed earth. And things will, uh, will wear down and break and we'll get sick and people will pa- pass away. And, and that is all part of living in this sin-cursed earth. But, but the Word of God reminds us that as Christians... There, there, we can expect, not necessarily that will, it will all be realized, but we must expect some additional suffering because of our relationship with the Word of God. He says here in verse 10, he begins, he says, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction and of faith. You see, these prophets, they suffered because they dared to stand and speak. Thus saith the Lord. You see, the word of God had been rejected by their culture. The people didn't want to hear it. The powers that be didn't want to hear it. And and yet the prophets were faithful to stand and speak in the name of the Lord. You know, I want to remind us that this this idea of suffering affliction, Jesus didn't Take that this this, uh, uh, this truth and hide it in the fine print. The day you got saved, you know Jesus Jesus put it in bold letters across the top of the page. He 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 uh, he said in Matthew chapter sixteen and verse twenty four. Would you read this with me? Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Jesus wants to make sure that one thing that you don't suffer from in your Christian experience is disillusionment because things didn't turn out the way that you thought they would turn out. That you would get saved and everything would be hunky-dory and everything that you prayed for would, would just come to pass and that your marriage would, would never see any, any struggles or, or that your children would never uh, face any obstacles and, and that, that your life would just be picture perfect. No, no, Jesus said you must take up your cross in order to follow him. You are going to face tribulation and suffering and, and, and trials. When Jesus was explaining the kingdom. He told us the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus spoke about a sower who sowed the seed of the Word of God on four different types of soils. The hard ground, the, the uh, stony ground, the ground that had the, the, the weeds, and, and, uh, and then also the good ground that brought forth much fruit. But the stony ground, Jesus made a very specific application that I want us to notice. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 says, But he that receiveth the seed into stony places is the same that heareth the word, and anon with, with joy receiveth it. Look at verse 21, would you read that with me? Yet hath no root in himself, but dureth for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is why did tribulation or persecution arise? Because of the Word. You see, the seed, Jesus said, is the Word of God. Because of the Word of God that has been sown in our life, because of taking a stand for the Word of God, because of our association, our relationship with the Word of God, tribulation and persecution arises. You know, that begins the moment that we, we, we believe in Jesus. We trust in Jesus Christ. You know, when we realize that we are a sinner and that, that man cannot save himself and man's religion and religious works and good deeds and reformation cannot save us, only the precious blood of Jesus Christ can save us from our sin. And, and uh, we humble ourselves as, as, as completely unable to do anything about our lost condition. And we plead for mercy at the foot of the cross. Then we are saved. And, and you see, those, those who are a part of this world system, those who are part of this world's religious system, they resist that. They, they resent that. And, and they will speak against that. That the simple faith that comes in, uh, uh, salvation that comes through simple faith in Jesus Christ. But then as we follow Christ and as we obey the Word of God, that persecution is only going to grow. As we are taught the Word of God and as we are instructed and, and the Spirit of God has is, is, is come to live within us and the Spirit of God is transforming us. You know, the Bible says that when we obey the Word and we, uh, we, we live according to the Word of God, the leading of the Spirit, we are going to suffer persecution. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. Why? 
For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You know, it's interesting that even in this passage, Jesus holds the prophets up as an example of those who have endured with patience and and yet remain faithful. And Jesus goes on in the very next verse to say, ye are the salt of the earth. And by the way, I want to remind us, Christians, that you and I are the salt of the earth. And as such, we are to preserve this earth, the things that we stand for and the way that we live our lives and the way that we spend our money and the way that we cast our, our ballots in the ballot box and, and uh, the things that, that, that we stand for, the things that we uh, promote, the things that we speak against all are to preserve this, this culture, the society in which we live. But it's salt. And I want to remind you, those salt will preserve, salt also burns. You know, any specific application of salt, you know, that gets inside of a cut that's going to burn. And it's an irritant. And that's why Jesus said, you stand for what is true. And you stand for what is right. And you be willing to face persecution because of your obedience to the Word of God. Because you are the salt of the earth. But don't lose your saltiness. Because He goes on to say, if the salt hath lost its savor, it's good for nothing, and to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. So persecution arises. It grows as you obey the Word of God. But when you proclaim the Word of God, when you speak out against the evils of a, of a nation or of a society, when you use the Word of God to reprove others, I think about John the Baptist. You know, and, and uh, you know, Herod was, was fine with you know, all the multitudes leaving Jerusalem, going out into the wilderness to hear crazy old John until John got to preaching on the sin of incest. Well, that bothered Herod something fierce. And, and, Herod, and John arrested and, and uh, later having his, his head chopped off. You see, when we seek to convert others, and we, 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 you know, they'll, they'll tolerate us living out our life before them, but when we share with them the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and you too must trust in Jesus. If you don't trust in Jesus, you're gonna spend eternity separated from God in a lake of fire. You see, they're gonna persecute you. They're, 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 uh, they're going to re reprove you. They're gonna speak evil against you. You see, suffering comes because of your relationship with the Word of God. Let me share this secondly. Number two, God has given us many examples of men and women who have faithfully endured. He says, take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction. You see, that, that's what you and I are to do. We're to see the example of We're to use the examples of others to help encourage us to continue on, to stay faithful, to be patient. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11. What, what do we find in Hebrews chapter 11? A list of all of the, the saints, uh, the, the saints of God who lived by faith. We're going to look at that in, in, in just a few minutes. But as, as story after story has been briefly recounted for us, and, and then the author goes on to say there's, there's certainly many, many, many more that aren't even recorded for us in Scripture. But, but the, 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 so many of these stories that we have that God has given us. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. 
Wherefore, let's read it together. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Ready? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I've heard people speak of this verse as, as this great cloud of witnesses. It's, uh, and they give the visual image of an Olympic stadium. And, and uh, you and I are currently in the race. And, and all those who have passed on before are in the stands. And they're cheering us on. And, and uh, you know, go Brother Dan, go Brother Steve. And, and, uh, but but that's, that's not specifically the application of the, this, this compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses. See, what the Bible is telling us here is we have, we, we have all around us, everywhere we look, there are examples that give us guidance. There are examples that teach us lessons. There are examples that show us the way. And because of their example, we know how to run our race. Because of, of the teaching of the Word of God and, and the faithfulness of, of, of hundreds, thousands, even millions of saints of God who've gone on before, we can run our race. And so you and I, we need to study, we need to learn from these examples. You see, as Christians, we need to know the lives of the faithful men and women of God that are given to us in the Word of God. We need to know the stories of faithful men and women of God and in church history and faithful missionaries. Listen, I want to, I want to ask, I want to ask you, what's more important to you? Knowing the stories of the, the, the powerful Americans, politicians, or, or, uh, uh, maybe, uh, 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 those who would, uh, uh, those who would, uh, be used maybe as a statesman or an activist or a Christian missionary that went to a foreign field and lived out their life in faithful service to the Lord Jesus. What's more important to you? What's, what's, uh, you know, what, what's more important to your children? What's more important that your children learn about their American history and about their American heritage or they learn about their Christian history and their Christian heritage? You see, my wife and I just had this this discussion. My son has to do a fifth grade research project. What what is he going to do his research project on? Well, it's a whole lot easier to find some famous American and uh, and collect those resources and write that report. But wouldn't it be much more beneficial to learn about a famous Christian, a missionary? A, 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 a preacher, a, a faithful woman of God that, that gave their lives for the, the, the cause of Christ. You see, we need to consider this. We need to understand this. You know, when, 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 uh, when your child goes to school and they learn all the presidents of the United States and they can't name the twelve apostles, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You, you know, we, we, we give them a secular education and then we wonder why they're not spiritual. You see, what does the Word of God say? Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. You and I are being instructed here to learn from faithful men of God and women of God. You see, you know, when we give our children all this, the, 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 the influences of the American culture, 
And we put before them uh, politicians and activists and businessmen at, at best or at worst movie stars or Instagram influencers. And we hold these these people up without any faith to speak of, without any any uh, love for God, any any place in the kingdom of God. And we give these to our children as their role models to follow their example. And then we wonder why they become young adults and they have no faith to speak of. You see, James doesn't hold up. Uh, um, so Aristotle and Plato, listen, Christians, you need to get a classic education and you need to learn from these 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 philosophers and and uh, Roman statesmen. And, and uh, uh, no, no, no. We as Christians need to study the lives of faithful men and women of God. You see, look at what Hebrews 13, verse seven says, remember them which have the rule over you and who has spoken unto you the word of God, whose Faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. It's so important we grasp this truth. The Word of God gives us so many examples of faithful men and women of God who stayed true to the Word of God. You know, I wanted to take a few moments and share the story of one, a prophet named uh, uh, Micaiah. We find his story in the last chapter of First Kings. In the last chapter of Ahab's life. And uh, God had given King Ahab a miraculous victory over the Syrians. Not because Ahab was righteous, but because, uh, because God is God and, and uh, his, his ways are, are, uh, are sovereign. And, and uh, Syria had blasphemed God, and so God gave Ahab victory. Several years had passed, and Jehoshaphat and Ahab are talking one day, and, and uh, Jehoshaphat mentions how. He would like to reclaim control of the land on the other side of the Jordan River. The Syrians still had control of that land. And so they decided that before they go to battle, they ought to inquire of the Lord. Well, they're at Ahab's palace. Ahab calls all of his prophets to come. And and uh, and uh, some 400 men, 400 prophets of the Lord gathered and and all at once, go up, go up. God will bless you. God will give you the victory. And Jehoshaphat, to Jehoshaphat, it just didn't sound right. Jehoshaphat said, these men are too eager to agree with you, king. Is there, is there anybody else that we could ask counsel of? And king said, yeah, there's, there's one other guy. Micaiah, he says, but I hate him. I hate him. He never has anything positive to say. He's so negative all the time. He's speaking evil about me. And, and, uh, but let's get him in here. And so they sent a messenger to fetch Micaiah and told him what had transpired. And the messenger even went so far as to warn him. You're going to stand before the king. The king has heard from 400 other prophets. And they all said to go to battle, God would give them the victory. So, Make sure when you stand before the king, you agree with them. Micaiah said, no. When I come, I will only speak the word of the Lord. And so Micaiah came before the king and he mockingly did exactly as the messenger told him. Oh, yes, king, go to battle. God will give you, most certainly give you the victory. And the king reproved him. He said, I, 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 he, he said, he said, no, no, you only tell me what God has told you to say. 
Micaiah said, God showed me a vision. He said, Israel, I saw Israel scattered as a sheep with no shepherd. The shepherd of Israel is going to be slain. Micaiah said, God showed me a vision of the Lord in heaven. God said, who's going to let Ahab go to fight against Ramoth Gilead so he'll die? The judgment that I've, ju- I've prophesied against him come to pass. And, and uh, you know, as, as Micaiah is sharing this, Micaiah said there's several that came before the Lord and, 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 and uh, they, uh, they made their suggestions. But then a spirit came before the Lord and said he would be a lying spirit and he would go put a, a, a spirit, a lie in the mouths of Ahab's prophets and, and they would prophesy to him a lie. One of Ahab's prophets, his name was Zedekiah, he had, uh, he had gotten quite creative with his, his demonstration for Ahab. He had actually made himself, the Bible says, some horns of iron. And uh, he brought in these, these horns of iron. He said, Ahab, I've got these for you. With these horns, you're going to be just like this. And you're going to, and he demonstrated, you know, he gets up there and he's pushing on his fellow prophet. You're going to push back the Syrians and God's going to give you the victory. And that man Zedekiah, he walked over to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. And said, and said yeah, which spirit told me to do that to you? Nahab told his servants to take Micaiah back to the city. Put him in prison. He said, feed him bread and water. The bread and water of affliction. He said, he's committed treason. And until I return home from the battle safely, keep this man confined. Keep him locked up and in prison. And Ahab said, if you come home from the battle, God hasn't spoken by me. He said, everyone here is a witness. As to the word of the Lord. See, Micaiah was faithful to speak the word of God. He suffered greatly because he was willing to take a stand for the truth and and, and say what the Spirit of God told him to say. So many other examples that, that we could give. Jeremiah and Isaiah, men that gave their life because of their stand on the truth of the word of God. Another one to tell to mention briefly, Ahijah. God used the prophet Ahijah to speak against the wickedness of Solomon. Yes, Solomon. You know, I, I tend to think of Solomon in a good light because, uh, because he, he, uh, he, he was, uh, he wrote the Proverbs and he started out so well, of course, and, and he built the temple, but, but, but his life is to be a negative example for us, not a positive one. And, and, uh, Ahijah was sent to reprove him. And, and, and so one day he, he was sent by God to meet a man named Jeroboam. The time Jeroboam was just a servant of Solomon. And Solomon had, had uh, seen a lot of potential in this young man and had promoted him in his kingdom. And, and one day Ahijah found him and he was headed somewhere. They were on the way and he was alone and Ahijah grabbed his coat. The Bible specifically says it was a new coat. But Ahijah grabs his coat and then begins to rip that coat. Tears it in 12 pieces. Then he takes 10 of those pieces and gives 10 of those, uh, 10 of those ripped, torn pieces of Ahijah's coat to, uh, of Jeroboam's coat to Jeroboam. He kept the other pieces and he said, God is going to rend the kingdom of Israel. 
Because of the wickedness of Solomon. Because Solomon has turned aside and he has built temples. Yes, he built a temple to the one true God, but he's built temples to all of the other gods. He's built a temple to Ashtaroth and he's built a temple to Chemosh and he's built a temple to the goddess, the God of the children of Ammon and all these other gods. He's 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 practiced paganism and idolatry and brought that to this land. God is going to rip the kingdom from him. But Ahijah said to Jeroboam, if you will stay faithful and you will stay true to God and you will walk not in the ways of Solomon, but in the ways of David, God will establish your kingdom and God will prosper you. And if you will do right and and of course, as true to the prophecy of Ahijah, he became king and uh, Jeroboam became king and and uh, and and yet. Jeroboam did not obey the prophet Ahijah. He did not heed the word of the Lord. And he he set up uh, uh, idols and golden calves and Dan and Beersheba. And he he practiced that 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 idolatry. And and in uh, the Bible, the Bible speaks of Jeroboam in such an evil way. And Ahijah said his house, his entire house was going to be cut off and and uh, and his sons with the exception of one one ill son who was soon to pass, none of his sons would even be receive a proper burial in the ground. You see, faithful to preach, faithful to stand for the Word of the Lord and the truth of the Word of God. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If you're in James, turn back just a few pages. Hebrews chapter 11. In this passage, we have stories of Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Rahab. And jump down, we'll jump in at verse 32. Verse 32 says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail, fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah. Of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to fight the arms of the alien. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And victory after victory through faith. But I want to remind you, those that walk by faith and live by faith were not just the ones who were victorious, the ones to whom God answered their prayer and God moved miraculously in preserving them. No, those who walked faithfully were those who stayed faithful, even if it costs them, costs them dearly, even their life. We're in verse 35. And others, others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. You know, as I was studying through that, I thought again about that uh, Pastor James Coates of the Grace Life Church in Alberta, Canada. Anybody heard about that on the news? Pastor in jail. In jail because of uh, uh, the government trying to, to, to force its hand upon the church and not allowing the church of, of Jesus Christ to meet. And, and uh, when he was initially arrested, they, they were going to let him go. All he had to do was promise 
that he wouldn't gather the, the church together. As long as he would promise he would not meet and would not assemble and would not have church, he was free to go. But he would not. He would not accept deliverance. You see, so many of the, our Christian brothers and sisters that have been persecuted through the ages, they, they've been given opportunities to recant, but they wouldn't recant. They were given opportunities to preserve their own life. If only they would deny the faith and deny the Lord Jesus Christ. But they would not accept their deliverance. Why? That they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Boy, I love this divine commentary here. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us. That they without us should not be made perfect. You see, I want to remind you, child of God, God has given us many, many, many examples of faithful men and women of God. We do well to study them and to use them, as James says, for our examples. Brings us to our third point this morning. You must apply to yourself what you believe to be true about others. You must apply to yourself what you believe to be true about others. Now look at that first sentence of verse 11. Would you read that with me? We're back in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Verse 11, the Bible says, ready? Behold, we count them happy which endure. We count them happy. Now, I want to remind you this morning that you, one of, one of the, the grave dangers, one of the things that is a, a, a pitfall is when you consider your circumstance different than what everybody else has faced. No, it's a trial of faith. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. And God brings different trials into the lives of his children to test their faith, to refine their faith. You remember what Job said? We'll talk about him in just a minute. When he had tried me. I shall come forth as gold. And, and you see, and this is where things break down for Christians because they, 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 they fail to make application. They, 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 yes, they know the stories of the faithful men of God and faithful women of God, but they fail to make application to their own situation. I want to ask you this morning, you do count them happy, which endure, right? You do look and and uh, and you see the stand that Esther took. Remember Esther chapter one: "If I perish, I perish." Well, that's you know we read that and and uh, boy, that's to be admired and and we say wow and we we commend their faith and and uh, and we 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 we, we there there are heroes and we admire them and rightfully so. We study the life of Joseph and how he was sold into slavery by his brothers, but he didn't get bitter and he 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 stayed faithful to God. And when he was even uh, given the opportunity to commit adultery, he he said, "How can I 
produced this great wickedness against God and, and uh, he stayed faithful to God. And, and we say, you, you know, we admire them and we admire their faith. We look at Moses and Joshua and Gideon, all these saints of God. We consider their trials. We consider their patience. And we say, boy, I'm so glad that they stayed faithful. Amen? Amen. I'm glad they made the right choice. But my situation is different. That's dangerous, my friend. That's dangerous. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible says this. In verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for in samples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now, if you jump down under point number three, there's verse 13 there. Verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation, also make a way of escape. Read that last phrase with me, would you please? That ye may be able to bear it. That ye may be patient. Literally what the word patient means. You see, when you say, yes, Moses endured and Joshua endured and, 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 and Rahab and, and uh, Esther and Ruth and, and we look at Sarah and all these great men and women of God. Yes, they stayed faithful. But my situation's different. You're setting yourself up for a fall. You see, when you see yourself as different than the trials that thousands, millions of Christians have gone through. You see, the Bible says, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is what? Common to man. We need to understand that. And yes, we might not be able to find somebody that we can match our, our description of our trials side by side and every single dot lines up, you know, but, but, but understand they know what we're going through. We can encourage one another and we can help one another. Why? Because, because, because we are all going through tests and trials of faith. You see, we look at these heroes and we, we admire their faith and we, we're happy that they endured. But what about us? What about our situation? What about our circumstance? You know, I have yet, I have yet to meet a Christian who has gone through a trial, gone through some kind of tribulation or even persecution for their faith and, and, and they remained faithful to God and they were, they regretted having done so. I, I, I think I can say, I can say on the authority of this passage, I will never meet a true child of God that has gone through a trial and remained faithful to God and remained faithful to His Word that regretted it, that will regret it. But I have met many times, many times Christians who were not faithful in the trial and made some decisions. Maybe uh, like Elimelech, uh, the, the famine comes and they, they, they take their family to Moab and they live to regret it. They regret their choices and their lapse of times of lapse of faith. You see, what we must apply, what we see in the lives of others and their patience and their endurance in their trials and testings to ourselves. And that brings us to point number four. Number four, you must consider the end of Job and of others. Consider their end. The Bible speaks to that specifically. You have 
heard of the patience of Job. By the way, is that true? Have you heard about Job? You ever heard about this guy named Job? Yeah, uh, one person raised their hand. Okay, uh, maybe next week I need to preach the story of Job. Uh, I, I'm just kidding. You've heard about Job. The Bible says, and have seen the end of the Lord. See, the Bible tells us a little bit about Job. The Bible says in, in Job chapter 1 that he was a, a, a perfect man, that he was upright. He was one that feared God and eschewed evil. And I, I love reading the story of Job. I think one of my favorite parts about Job's, uh, Job's story is, is, is the way he prayed for his children. Any of your fathers with me on that? You, you familiar with that? You know how these children are a little bit older and one of their kids has a birthday and they're all at their eldest, uh, they're all at their, uh, the oldest son's house and, and, uh, and Job is offering sacrifices for them and uh, praying for them and, and uh, on, on their behalf. And, you know, and understand it was God that singled Job out. God pointed him out to the devil and God was using him as a as a trophy of grace, if you will. And Satan said, yeah, that's just because you bless him. And, you know, he he, he scratches your back because you scratch his back. And But if you take away all that he has, he'll curse you to your face. Yeah, I said, OK, but just don't harm him. And how that in a day Job lost everything he had, all his possessions and even his children. And, you know, we we read that story and. One thing I want to remind you is that as we read it in the Word of God, we have divine commentary on this story. We, but, but Job didn't know anything about, you know, the sons of, the, the sons of, of God coming before the Lord and, and, uh, and, and the devil coming in with them and this conversation that takes place between God and the devil and, and, and how God allows Satan to unleash his fury on him just as a test of faith. Job was walking by faith. But Job, Job was patient, wasn't he? Job stayed faithful, didn't he? And uh, and uh, he, he see he didn't have that divine understanding that we have as we read his story. And and I want to remind you that you and I also walk by faith. And there's something greater that is going on as God is refining your faith and testing your faith and using your life and your trials and your circumstances to bring Him glory. And one day when we get to heaven, you will get to hear the divine commentary that goes along with your story. But right now, you like Job must remain faithful. You must stay the course. Let me ask you, did God bless Job's patience? Yes, He did. We find in the last chapter of Job, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than His beginning. We go on to read about His possessions and His children. And, and uh, consider Job's end. Consider Job's end. You see, let me ask you, is God, do you believe that God is going to bless your faithfulness? You see, if you quit somewhere along the way, if you faint in the day of adversity, somehow you have listened to the lies of the adversary. and You don't believe that God is going to reward you for your faithfulness to him. You see, we must consider the end. We must look beyond. And, and the Bible tells us that. Jesus told us that. And as, as, as Peter says, Lord, we've left all to, to, to follow you. Lord, we've given up everything. We've given up our livelihood. And, and uh, we're, we, we've even to a larger extent given up our families. And as we travel around with you from city to city ministering. And, and, uh, and, and uh, what, 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 is, what, what do you have for us? And look at what the Bible says in Mark chapter 10. 
Mark chapter 10 and verse 29, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Hundredfold what? Brothers, sisters, houses, uh, wife, uh, uh, I'm sorry, mothers, children, lands, all of it with persecutions and in the world to come. What does it say? Eternal life. Oh, it's so important we understand this. We must consider the end. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 7, considering the end of their conversation. We must look to the end. We must see those that finish their race and they stay the course and they're faithful. And, and James finishes, and I must hasten. He says that the Lord is very pitiful. Very pitiful. And of tender mercy. Number five, don't forget the nature of God. Don't forget that God is pitiful. Don't forget that God is merciful to His children that are going through troubles and, and, and trials and tribulations. You know, as, as, as we go through a trial, we can take courage from the, 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 the faithfulness of the saints of old. But let's remember that God hasn't forgotten about us. God has not abandoned us. We must see His nature. You know, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 103. I love this passage. Psalm 103. Again and again, it was said of Jesus, He had compassion. He was moved with compassion. Or He told a parable about men who, who had compassion. See, I want to remind you that in your trial, in your trial, the devil's going to lie to you. In your trial, the devil's going to say, it's not worth it. It's too much. You, you can't go ahead and quit. And by the way, that, that, that message might even come from a family member or a spouse. Who was it that told Job to curse God and die? It wasn't Satan speaking to him directly. Oh no, that message came through his wife. But God has not forgotten about you. God has not abandoned you. You see, yes, he may try your faith. Yes, he may have to use your life and your suffering to be a light to others, but God is very, the Lord is very pitiful. He's very compassionate. He's of tender mercy. You know, we're going to read that here in this passage and then we'll close the message. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? And crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things? So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He hath made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Let's read verse 8 together. Ready? The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. For he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. Let's read verse 13 and 14 together. Ready? Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. 
for He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust, as for man his days are as grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourisheth, for the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto His children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and to those that remember His commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye His hosts, ye ministers of His, that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's bow our heads in prayer.